Welcome everyone to Non-Productive's Late to the Party Rewatch of the modern cult classic and Disney Channel original cartoon, Gravity Falls. The only cartoon set in Oregon. That might not be true, but it is the award-winning cartoon show created by Alex Hirsch, starring a lovable cast of characters and their encounters with the wild, wacky, and weird supernatural creatures of Gravity Falls. Welcome everyone. Yay! Woo! Hey! I'm, ex- I'm glad that I finally got an excuse to watch this. I'm actually super excited to rewatch it. We, you know, had watched it a few years ago after it had been recommended at nauseum. The royal we? Uh, <laughs> yeah, we as in my wife and I. Oh, I got it. I got a wife. I can attract a human being. My name is James. Fine. Great. You also have a wife. So yeah, like... but like, you know, we're basically estranged. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, it's a weird way to break it, but you, you better... did expect it on this Gravity Falls episode. Uh, yeah, you know what? I'm glad we're finally talking about something from Disney, that little company. <laughs> yeah, it's not like we're, you know, asking for any royalties no, or, just know, give us some payoff. Or that we haven't covered an infinite amount of Star Wars and Marvel. Yeah, that was the... That was the point. I'm, uh, I'm happy that uh, Disney uh, actually Disney finally has a uh, an intellectual property all their own. Yeah. All right. But yeah, Gravity Falls is great. It, it came out what year? 1999. So, <laughs> so Gravity Falls actually started in 2013 with the show finishing up in 2016. The show originally aired on Disney Channel and then gained a popularity and then moved over to Disney XD where they started the second season and finished it up just a, a you know like a year and a half later. Oh wow, it's one of those classic animation you have to wait for it things. I said 99 that is like a derogatory. I just feel like it was such a monster of the week feel to the show that I'm like, yeah, this is X-Files meets Buffy meets something good. Why why Gravity Falls? I mean, it's a good show. It's a good cartoon. I like I'm enjoying it so far. But generally with late to the parties, there's a reason like you have to see this. It was a, a cultural moment or something. There was something about it that the people who really love want us to show. So Russ with with Neon Genesis Evangelion obviously wanted to torture us. And uh, I guess Matt and James and the, the rest of the crew back way back in Battlestar Galactica uh, wanted to get maybe a dumb president. I don't know what was your goal on this. Probably ethnic cleansing of robots. Which I'm not really happy with saying on a podcast, but there it is. So why? Why yeah. Gravity Falls? Speaking as somebody that this is the, my first viewing of it, why are we watching this and not Doug? Late to the party Doug coming soon. <laughs> I feel like the series is really unique in that it was very planned out how the plot of it was going to go. Oh, and very... Doug was just all willy-nilly? Yeah, no, Doug wasn't willy-nilly, but, but Alex Hirsch was very specific about how many episodes, when the season was going to end, and that he was never going to force the show to go past the two seasons. Mm. Even regardless, like, I'm pretty sure Disney was like, hey, we got money, won it? Like, the show That's... is... And he was like, no, like, it's it's done. And he still works on other things. Like, he's credited in a lot of other cartoon series. Also, there's just um, a ton of Easter eggs throughout the series that the, the mega fans see. Like, even in the first episode, there's one that I'm not going to talk about because it's a big spoiler. The lore. I think that, yeah, like, there's a bigger world at play here that we slowly get more and more of. I think the show itself also uh, handles a lot of themes that are, like, you know pretty decent and mature for a kid's show, like along the lines of a lot of shows that are coming out nowadays. It was it was a cultural juggernaut at, at, like when we were going through it, 
and I just feel like it's um it has its it has its place in history that I want to really talk about. And I want to I feel like retrospectively I want to go back and see like how I feel about this show and like does it hold does it hold up? Do all the things that were magical about it like really like continue to even though it's just a few late years later like does all of that still like hold true? I think for me it was the humor in a larger more meta scale when we talk about television and and all the stuff we do talk about here on the network we tend to focus really on these hardcore drama and coming off of evangelion and the funniest show we've (laughs) ever covered on this and um you know a lot of other things we've been doing recently i wanted to show that not only had all of these great elements that i think michelle and al are talking about but i think the humor really stands up and in a way that's like it's smart and well written often has me in stitches and i wanted to hopefully be able to translate that love of this humor to our audience i, I like the, the 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 style of humor and it's it's weird it's like screwball cartoon comedy it felt like 90s nick to me if that makes any sense maybe yeah. to some of the listeners they'll get what i mean by that i um, get what you mean frank yeah it's and, set in oregon like angry beavers exactly <laughs> just like a 90s nick show and uh yeah i thought it was cartoon network wasn't it Fact check. No, Angry no. Beavers was Nickelodeon. 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 Cut that from the podcast. I don't need anyone hearing me be incorrect, even no, for a leave second. It in. Let's shame him. That's fine too. Uh, either way, as long as it's either people adore me or shame me, I'm good. Yeah, so I could definitely understand uh, that uh, vibe. I am hoping for deep. Maybe I'm hoping too much for deep mysteries because honestly, X Men was probably X Men. Wow, X Files was my favorite show, and and there's a I. I you know, kind of really liked um, uh, Twin Peaks. It's not, it wasn't my favorite, but it was a big deal. And this thing reeks of like the love child of all those things. So, yeah, so Gravity Falls is very much inspired by Twin Peaks, and you'll see uh, constant Twin Peaks Im- imagery, which I'll point out throughout the show. But there are two shots in the open that are meant to mimic two shots in the opening of the original Twin Peaks. Uh huh. Um, there's tons of mysteries in the show. You'll see a bunch of repeated stuff, including like the number 618, um, which appears a bunch of times, as well as even in the opening um, of the show, there's, uh, for a hint, if you want to go back and listen to it, the little ending noise you hear is something said backwards. Oh, so wow. So if you record Classic. it and play it back backwards, it'll give you an insight to one of the mysteries of the show. And then each episode, on top of its fun ending has um, a cryptic message, a cryptogram hidden in it that uses a chart from one of the intros that you can, from the intro that you can decode. And oh, really? every episode has it. And, um, you know, I can tell you what they say yeah, here please. when we get to each episode. Yeah, so I'm watching this on Hulu and it's very hard to <laughs> not skip. Well, I, I can imagine, like, and I think that's why the show has such a long-lasting and such a... Um, not repeat viewing, but people who have enjoyed getting into it later. I just can't imagine, you know, really taking this show in in all of the fun ways it has to engage its audience if you couldn't just, like, start pausing and moving around and really looking at what was in there because it's just packed with a ton of meat despite the fact that it's out the, you know, in this comedy Twin Peaks shell. Right. This week, we're going to be talking about episodes one through five. So episode one is the uh, introductory episode uh, named Taurus Trapped, um, where we get to meet Mabel and Dipper and the cast of characters that inhabit the Mystery Shack. I'm going to say, like, I, I rewatching this, 
I was thinking to myself, like, I wonder if it's going to suffer from some of the, like, oh, well, nobody's quite their character yet. Like, no, everything, everything that they established in episode one kind of carries through the rest of the series. Like, I don't feel like there was any experimenting that got to get retconned later. Everything was just kind of right out the gate exactly as it was. That is a bold statement. But I see, I definitely see what you mean. Like, I feel like the characters feel incredibly established coming in. Yeah. Yeah, you're um, saying there's no character development at all through the series. <laughs> Not necessarily saying that. I'm just saying, like, there wasn't, like, all of a sudden, like, oh, well, Seuss had a different voice. That's or... what I was going to say. In animation, it's like, oh, that you were still trying to figure out this character's yeah, voice. Yeah, exactly. Like, mm-hmm. early Bender. On Futurama, even even early Bender sounds slightly different than later yeah. Bender. It has yeah. a very it has a slightly different personality than the character we grew to love later on. Yeah. Like there's there's just different things with animation and like and portrayals of the characters. Um, like all of them just seem very well established and right out the gate are just pretty much exactly who they are. They very much already fit into the tropes that they grow into. So because Mabel is very Mabel throughout the whole series, which is very eccentric and girly and happy and different colored sweaters and wants a boyfriend and just wants to flirt with everybody and a typical 12-year-old girl. <laughs> Can I just say that different colored sweaters is not actually a character trait? It is. <laughs> for, it is for Mabel. So I, I question that at first. Somebody spoiled that for me? Say, oh yeah, Mabel and her sweaters. And I'm like, what's the deal with Mabel? And then I noticed in the first five episodes, like she does a, she does a lot of interesting sweaters. That's a thing that stays with the rest of the series. Yeah, yeah she has her classic like nice. pink with the star. Mm-hmm. One, All right, I'm, like, I'm, I'm good for that. Yeah, I like that. She's got, like, themed sweaters. It's cool that we have a character that actually changes their outfit yes. week to week. That's, yeah, that's nice. Well, and it's funny because they... Mabel specifically changes her outfit, but they call out Dipper for literally never changing his outfit. <laughs> Teenage boy. Yeah. How old are they? Twelve. They're twelve. Oh, all right. Cool. Because that was the first question I was asked by the person who I was watching, my estranged wife, who I was watching this next to. She's like, oh, she's too young for looking for a boyfriend. And I'm like, I'm not prepared to have this conversation with you about a cartoon child that is not ours. <laughs> <laughs> so each uh, episode of Gravity Falls, we deal with a different monster of the week. And this was the first one. And it goes ridiculous out the gate. Oh, yes. It's a great catch. You assume it's this dark, spooky, oh no, he's going to eat my brain. And it's... A bunch of gnomes in a Yeah, a, a bunch of gnomes in a, tr- in a trench coat. <laughs> you know, it's like three, three. what is it? Three kids in a trench coat from Bojack Horseman. Vincent Adultman. <laughs> oh, and yeah, my name is Normal Man. Man. <laughs> I like that... I, for some reason, gnome was the thing that popped out in my head as soon as the books were, I guess it was good animation. So I'm like, oh, gnomes, that's an interesting thing that are going to come across eventually. Then I assumed it was going to be zombies, and no, it's a bunch of gnomes in a trench coat. Perfect. Love it. I, yeah, I, I like that the gnomes can all of a sudden just become this huge giant gnome, because like I like Dipper's analysis of, like, there are short legs, they can't catch us, and like like driving off in the golf cart. Which, man, I love that scene, actually. It's really cool. Like I also like, no, no, no known weaknesses. You can't defeat gnomes, except for, like, with a leaf blower, I guess. It's like the opposite of Dungeons and Dragons, by the way. Where gnomes have the most weaknesses? Where gnomes have no known strengths. <laughs> oh. What I like about this monster problem is that uh, that Dipper and Mabel were able to add something to the book, right? No known pro- uh, weakness, but they figured out the weakness. So that's like already they're setting up the, the fact that these guys are going to be they're gonna they're gonna iterate on whoever wrote that mysterious yeah. six fingered journal. I love that thing. That that the design. I think that's the first experience I've really had. Two my earliest experiences with Gravity Falls 
Um, one is I have a lot of nieces and nephews, and they would call me Grunkle a lot, which I thought it meant suits you. Grumpy Uncle. And I was like, yeah. And I would just be <laughs> very mean to them afterwards. Or maybe Grandpa Uncle, because they thought they were calling me old. I really just took it immediately as an insult. And now I realize it was an insult, one that I didn't pick up on, which was even better. Uh, and then the other thing was, I think at a Barnes & Noble, or maybe it was at first at Comic-Con, but eventually at Barnes & Noble, the, the actual book. And I flipped through that thing, and it's really cool. That thing is a monster manual. So, Taurus Trapped. Favorite moment? Uh, the part when Mabel's like, oh my god, you're a vampire, you're a vampire, you're a vampire. And then he wasn't because he was gnomes. Uh, puking up rainbows. That would have been mine, puking up rainbows. All right, so do we want to talk really quickly about a little... I can give you guys a little trivia from episode one. Sure. All right, yeah. So, uh, I mentioned earlier that if you play the intro backwards, you can hear uh, the backwards voice in the show. Do you want to know what that says? I yes. buried Paul. It says, Stan is not what he seems. <gasps> and the cryptogram at the end of episode one just says, welcome to Gravity Falls. Okay. So it's a softball for right. the beginning. And what I really do like this because it's, uh, like I was saying earlier, it's an introduction to everything that we're going to be experiencing throughout the show. It's like, don't trust to Stan because you probably shouldn't. He's kind of a huckster. And like, it's just welcoming is he us. He's not really a Shriner? <laughs> <laughs> no, he just bought that hat in a store. What? Mm-hmm. You can't just buy a Fez. That's got to be illegal. But it's it go, even goes back to what we were talking about with the twist of it being a known gnome in trench coat. It's just like it's getting us used to where the the sort of wackiness we're going to be experiencing. Like, don't worry, everything that's going to be like it might get kind of creepy sometimes. But we're here to have fun, guys. It's going to be a gnome in a trench coat. Yeah, I don't want the series at the last few episodes to be like a like a terribly serious grim dark horror fest and i don't think it will be no oh i just Im- immediately imagined that the uh the fourth season would devolve into uh just really grotesque body horror <laughs> oh yeah if they if they ever got those last two seasons made kids would lose their crap so the second episode is legend of the gobble wonker and it's a classic monster in the lake scenario. I really like this episode. Mm. I think the comedy in it is really, really good. Um, I love Stan the most in this episode uh, out of the five episodes that we have him. Like, just him on the boat and just screaming at the um, the the kids and the grandpa. Like, boo, boo. Like, yes, this is great. I love this. I also think this episode is funny. It's actually one of my favorite episodes from season one. And I was still in stitches with the the, the humor that they give to Stan. <laughs> I just think it's so funny. But it's also good because the they learn a nice lesson that they should be spending time with their uncle instead of hunting monsters. Maybe. Maybe. Possibly. And I also like the uh, the whole camera thing that Dipper has. Where it's just like, hey, let's go. I'm going to buy about 17 so cameras. <laughs> right. There's the specificity what? of the number 17 the there. I uh, dislike this episode. Really? really? Yeah. I, this is the episode where I almost like reached out and said... Hey, 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 guys! Are we, we sure we're doing this this show? I mean, <laughs> so uh, I don't mean that I disliked it. I think that I thought the camera gags were fun. I liked that there were. I mean, it was cute that there was a little lesson about loving each other or whatever. Um, at the end, sad Uncle Grandpa. I keep saying <laughs> Uncle Grandpa, but I mean Grunkle. Uh, Grunkle, St- sad Grunkle Stan out on the boat by himself, hating on everybody. I, there was a lot of things to love. That weird guy who's always cheering on Wendy's dad. What's his deal? <laughs> I don't. I don't. All right, but regardless, I don't need to know it. But like, there was a lot of good things in it. What I didn't like about it is it felt like, oh my, is this just going to be a Scooby Doo mystery show where they just pull the mask off the villain every week and it's a crazy old person 
with the machine and way too much. I like that they did a head nod to it. Like, how did he build this? <laughs> but I, I thought maybe, like, is that what this show is going to be? And um, I was a little, I was like, oh, no. But it was vaguely about fathers and sons. <laughs> A son that no longer has time for his father, so his father built an elaborate monster? That, you know what? I'm living that life. So, yeah. All right. Good. Um, I love the photo ops at the end, and especially them cutting the uh, the net to get the fish that the other family got. Like, that call back to that scene earlier. Like, that was just, uh, just so sweet. It's so awful. All of Stan's, like, alone comedy, I think, <laughs> is just so funny. It gets me every time. I liked Stan's not-alone comedy when... The uh, the parents, uh, wh- why are you talking to our child? <laughs> and it's not a big boat. Like, how did they not know this was happening until then? They were out of frame. You can't help blame them. Oh, good point. We're going to call the lake police. <laughs> I don't have any big pieces of trivia for this episode. It was just a lot of fun. What does the thing say at the end? Do you have the, did you translate the cryptogram? The cryptogram for the episode is next week return to Butt Island. Next week's episode is Headhunters. Headhunters is the Wax Museum episode. Ah, uh, yeah. This was my favorite episode <laughs> yeah. in this first batch. I like this a lot because it, it legitimately surprised me what it ended up being, even though it was like pretty obvious. Like, oh, yeah, all right, cool. That makes a lot of sense. But I, it, the little hole in the shoe hint, the, there was an actual mystery that if you paid attention to, you could solve, sort of. Yeah. And I, that, that surprised me. I also love the cops. Like, they're just, they, there's no police officers like the Gravity Falls police officers. <laughs> they're just, like, I love them so much. I, I, like, so much, like, I feel like they're, like, they're, like, the, they're the cops that aren't Hopper in Stranger Things, essentially. Like, they're just, they hanging out like, oh, well, you know, something wild's happening. Guess we'll go get coffee. <laughs> that- I feel like they would give Egos to random girls, though. Yeah. Sure, yeah. I think that makes sense. What's with the accents on this show? There's a lot of, oh, golly, I don't know what an Oregon is. <laughs> there's a lot of Old West Oregon yeah, there's accents. A, there's a bit of a Midwesty feel sometimes, I, I think, with some of that. I don't know about Midwest. I would say Old West. <laughs> old oh, West. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. the Old Midwest. Well, there's maybe there's prospectors. A, maybe it's just like two or three characters that are just very powerful. But I'm just going to say, I... I do like all of the really cool, like, just kind of random, like, sleuthing that get that gets done. Like, even if it comes to wrong conclusions, I think it's still kind of fun to just go and see all the other characters in here. And, like, some of the interactions Mabel has at the bar. And just like, ah, oh, he's resting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, the reporter guy. Uh, I really like that guy. Uh, and his voice and his mannerisms and his crush. And his turkey baster? <laughs> And it's turkey baster, yes, absolutely. That's not a real microphone. It's a turkey baster, and it's like it. You can't, you can't like. He's like fair enough. I think it would be fun to live in Gravity Falls as long as you didn't need like infrastructure to survive. Um, the cryptogram for the episode is he's still in the vents, and it is referring to the Larry King wax figure mm. that he's he's still in. I'm ninety nine percent sure that's good enough for me. Next episode was The Hand That Rocks the Mabel. This is our first introduction to Little Gideon, my wife's favorite character. I hate him so much. He is the worst <laughs> character in this series. He's so annoying. His voice. And he, oh, uh, uh, I, the, rewatching this episode, I was like, poor Mabel. Poor Mabel. Uh, She's mm. getting trapped in these dates. 
And it's like, what girl has never felt like that being trapped in dates? And I'm like, oh. With know, a supposedly psychic child. Not with the psychic child, but, you know, I'm well, just like, well, oh, she's 12. He did have powers. He did. Well, mm. thanks no. to the magic amulet. Yeah, supposedly yeah. psychic. Uh, what, who does, do you know who does the voice of that character? It sounds, he reminded me of uh, Kenneth from 30 Rock. I'm not even sure if it is the same actor, uh, but like that voice is so distinct and yeah. so annoying, I but found great. Like he's he's he plays it off perfectly. I would like to go to that revival show. He's every like TV evangelist you've like ever thought of. Like he's this huge reference to it. I think, mm-hmm. and he does such a great job as like this sort of southern. Uh, oh, I'm too adorable to not love me. Mm-hmm. Like I, oh, I couldn't be up to nothing wrong. And like there's so many great moments in there. Where, like. Like, I could buy and sell you, old man. Oh, okay. <laughs> so the voice of Gideon is Thorpe Van Orman. He's not actually really a voice actor. He's the creator of a Cartoon Network show called The Marvelous uh, Misadventures of Flapjack. Oh, and a friend of Alex Hershey's. That's wow. why he sounds familiar. Yeah. He does. He is he's the voice of Flapjack. He does like a million characters Voices on that show. That yeah, show. I, that's yeah. awesome. Uh, so... Here's that's a good transition because I have picked up on quite a few voices and maybe even characters that feel like they've peppered through animation in recent years. I've seen a little ahead. There's there seems to be a decent amount of Rick and Morty crossover. Well, so Alex Hirsch and Justin Rowland are friends, and oh. you will find, um, and when we get to the episode, you will find that uh, there are actually a ton of references to both Rick and Morty in Gravity Falls and Gravity Falls in Rick and Morty. That's crazy. I would not have thought that, but like they're very different shows. We also get a look into one of the other big mysteries at the end of this episode. We see that Gideon has the second book yep. so if dipper has journal number three gideon has journal number two. Oh, that's right i i gotta who say has journal number four who knows well one is the one we would be questioning <laughs> the, you, that's how counting because works. you're assuming that there isn't a fourth no just because just because the main character found a third one you're going to assume there's only three books i'm just gonna say that one would be the first question i would have chris parnell is in this every once in a while he gets a voice that's great yeah yeah so another Rick and Morty tie-in. I was going to say, I really, uh, despite what Michelle says, I actually really like Little Gideon as like a villain, a uh, reoccurring villain, thankfully. Um, as it's just kind of, again, I think that he's funny. He's a character that can hold his own, like, as uh, as opposed to the many monsters of the week, which just kind of show in, ha- like, have their one bit and then kind of leave after the joke is over. Um, he's just a funny character. Like, he's a character that can really actually have some depth and some life to him. And has acted really well. So, some trivia bits from the episode. The cryptogram is Clara, Why Won't You Call Me, which is a throwback into the episode itself, where during the commercial, uh, it says to consult your physician immediately at the end when they're doing the disclaimer. And at the end, they don't say it, but it's read in the disclaimer saying, Clara, I've always loved you, but never had the guts to say it. Can we also talk about how like how easy it is for Stan to just kind of like throw his... You know, uh, puts a grandniece under the bus because it's like, oh, I might be able to make a few dollars. Uh, well, you know what? Mm, you know, blood ain't that thick. It ain't as thick as money. <laughs> you can't trust Stan. <laughs> it says it in the. Uh, I just think it's hysterical. Backwards. Like, it's I don't just, know. It seems that you can't trust him. That means you can trust him. 
Yeah, I don't know. I just think it's funny that he's just willing to throw family away for for any quick buck he can get. Like even like again marrying off his grandniece. It's like, oh, we might get some money out of this. All right. So our last episode in our first set of five is the inconveniencing, where Mabel and Dipper accompany the other teenagers of Gravity Falls to break into a haunted convenience store. This is my favorite episode out of the group. We said yeah, I, this was a close tie for mm-hmm. for favor for me too. Something about the 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 origin of the haunting yeah. is like beautiful. <laughs> Old people getting so upset at hip hop that they had heart attacks. We hate teenagers, uh, yeah. so we banned them. And then they came up with the hip hop. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, like I feel like I like uh, I have a lot of close attachments to Grunkle Stan, and now these two ghosts of dead people who hate teenagers. <laughs> like, I'm like I'm about this. Sounds like my grandma. Also, very much you, Frank. Yeah. Also, I love the whole, like, 12-year-olds trying to be teenagers aspect of it. Like, there's a big, like, obviously it's a, you know, coming-of-age story, as so many are. But it's it's that idea of, like, oh, I want to, like, try and be with the cool kids. And this felt, like, as genuine as I've ever felt in those kinds of moments uh, as when I was that age. Like, it didn't, there was no really, like, uh, proving yourself moments. It was just kind of like these little things and, like, being the gopher and kind of like, oh, man, they think I'm Dr. Fun Times. Oh, jeez. Oh, good golly. And Mabel, of course, is just getting, like, high out of her mind. And I love... That was the best. I love her high... Her, like, sugar high dreams. <laughs> um, I do have one critique of this episode, and it's not so much this episode in particular, but it's something that continues to be Dipper's driving motivation for quite a few episodes after that is kind of his crush on Wendy. And as much as I, you know, I think it's a good driving motivator, it's... I feel like it gets a little tired I actually, after we get into it a bit. Yeah, I'm actually going to go ahead and I'm going to voice an unpopular opinion. I don't like Wendy, like, as a character, because I think she's a plot device. I think she's a MacGuffin. And it's just kind of like, I, I'm kind of not all right with it. Like, you could have had a character, though. You just decided not to. She's as cool as the story wants her to be in order to, for Dipper to kind of, like, have someone to crush on. It's like, man, you could have, like, had an, an actual female character here and then decided not to. Granted, we have Mabel. Mabel's amazing. But I'm like, I, you could have done more. That's interesting. So in that example, can you ever, if that were true, can you ever have a story that feature, that's focused on a character who's crushing on someone who is, like, not aware of them? Because it doesn't seem like you could ever tell that story if you're not allowing people to have characters that aren't characters. You know what I mean? So, like, this is a real experience a lot of people have, is crushing on somebody who's oblivious to you. Yeah. Right? So if you're telling that story, how do you introduce them in a way where that character is real? The, the crush-y, right? Crusher? Crush-y. Crush-y. crush is, uh, is realized. Because the point of that is that they can't be because they're not really there. I would say absolutely have a point there if this wasn't a reoccurring character and we didn't have moments that we'll get to later on in the series. Mm. Um, like, it, the, the, the obliviousness of that, uh, what you're talking about, like, I would say, mm, that's a complaint. I, like, you're right. But, like, as we go on, like, some le- less of that starts to hold water. Yeah, I, w- I would say that the, the way to do that would be to have the, uh, the crusher or the, whose point of view we're taking in, in this mm-hmm eventually learn about that character yeah so it's not necessarily always 100 percent realistic Mm -hmm. because frequently that just never happens the 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 crush is completely unrequited and never gets anywhere right but if if that is what you want to do that would be how you do it and Mm -hmm. i don't know if this that happens going forward 
I guess we'll have to keep watching to find out. That you will. Like a bunch of suckers. The fun trivia from this episode, the maze on the back of the uh, cereal box that the one teenager gets uh, gets trapped in is unsolvable. (laughs) (laughs) It is intentionally unsolvable. Um, uh, The dolphin Oshima uh, is named after the director of the episode. Hmm. And uh, it's also John Dolphin. It's also Onward Oshima is the cryptogram at the end of the episode. Both are references to John Ioshima, who directed this episode. Did I get the right first name, John? <laughs> oh, <Yes>. man. Gravity <laughs> Falls is spooky. So what did you guys think of the first five episodes? Did you like what we watched? I thought it was fun. I, I, it was a fun series. I like the aesthetic. I like the setting. I like the Pacific Northwest. Um, I'm yet to feel like... Oh, this is a big, like, you know, this is a thing that you need to experience other than being like a cartoon that has some good episodes in it. I enjoyed it, but yeah, I'm curious to why everyone's giving me knowing glances. It's it's unfortunate to say, but there's no, like, human eye in the robot scene in the opening episodes of that's Gravity Falls. Not, that's not unfortunate. Al, what are you talking about? Come on. I was referencing. Uh, yeah, I know what you're referencing. We all know what you're referencing, Al. Stop it. Okay. I, I remember that scene, though. Oh, that was is this a Mandela effect? <laughs> it is. Like, the, there's no human eye in the robot scene in the beginning of Gravity Falls. Wait, there was a human eye in the Berenstein Bears, right? <laughs> oh, jeez. They were all like circled around the eye, worshiping the eye. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, yeah and then they died in prison. Right. Yep. That's exactly what happened. Well, thank you everyone for joining us for this week's episode of our late to the party Gravity Falls rewatch. Hopefully you guys will join us next week as we tackle the next five episodes. Good night, everybody. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Please like and subscribe to us on your favorite podcatcher app. Join the discussion over on our Discord or Facebook fan club, and please support us on our Patreon. This has been a non-productive media presentation. Executive producer, Frank Hablaoui. This program and many others like it on the Non-Productive Network is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. Please share it, but ask before trying to change it or sell it. For more information, visit non-productive.com.